The following is a continuation of the previous episode. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we look at two more challenges that come with prosperity, fame and spiritual highs. Our success can be a catalyst towards our destruction or towards a truly meaningful life. The key is in the choices we make. With a healthy perspective around fame and mountaintop experiences, we prevent them from becoming idols and can use them as resources. The second big thing that we have to avoid is chasing fame. Another word for fame is prestige. The word prestige comes from a Latin root that means to create an illusion, to trick someone. And so it is with fame. If we seek fame, even in small areas, we always end up molding ourselves to be that which we think other people want us to be. And when we do that, we actually end up losing ourselves. So let's look at Romans 2 and verse 5. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So here we are standing before God. What's God going to do then? He will render to each one according to his deeds. That's a quote from the Old Testament. And here's, and here's what he's going to give. Here's what he's going to give out. On the one hand, he's going to give eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. Now that verse rocks some people's world, but it's not that hard. Because again, eternal life is a gift and a reward. We're not talking about the gift component here. You don't have to seek anything to get that gift. You don't have to do anything to get that gift. You just believe. It's received totally freely. But if you want that gift to have the maximum benefit, then you have to exercise it. And you exercise it by one of the three things that you can do. Making choices to do what God's asked us to do. And what is it you're supposed to do? You're supposed to seek three things. We're supposed to seek glory. Now, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about fame as a mountaintop experience that can destroy us. Well, that's if we seek fame the wrong way. One of the great shaping forces of Western civilization is the book, The Iliad. It was the, it was the narrative of the Greeks that shaped their whole culture. And it's spilled right on through to America. And the key figure in the, in the Iliad is Achilles. And the gods come to Achilles and say, Achilles, you get a choice. You can either go to this war and fight and die and be remembered forever. Or you can stay here and live a long and comfortable life. And Achilles says, well, that's a no-brainer. Short and glorious. Because nothing matters about life if you're not remembered. And this was the Greek belief that glory was the thing that was worth seeking. And they, they, they conquered the Eastern Empire with that notion. Unfortunately, their notion of glory was kind of stunted. 
not maybe more than kind of studded. Because Achilles was nothing more than a self-seeking, selfish brat. Uh, there's another character in the story that actually is quite noble. So they, they, had, they had the mix there. But seeking glory is actually something that is appropriate if you have the glory defined correctly. And look what it is we're supposed to do, because we can see by the contrast, verse 8. But to those who are self-seeking, this is Achilles, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, what do they get? Indignation, wrath, anguish on every soul of man who does evil. Okay? So this is the reward part of standing before God. And if we seek self, not too happy of a deal. But if we seek glory, from who? From God. Because what glory is, is when an observer sees our true essence. That's all glory is. And here we are, we're standing before God. And when God says, what you did was awesome, that's what we're really after. When God says, hey, I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to my dad about you. I, I want to confess you before my father. Okay. Th- that's, that's what we want. And immortality, legacy. We visited the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. It's really cool. I love baseball. And I saw the plaque there for Babe Ruth. And I saw the plaque for Mickey Mantle. It was really neat. And then I saw all these old other plaques, probably two-thirds, 75% of them. I had no idea who these people were. Never heard of them. They're in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm a baseball fan. I never heard of them. They're forgotten. And you know what? Most of the rest of those guys, you skip one more generation, they'll be forgotten too. I knew the ones that I had experienced. And ultimately, almost everybody's forgotten. But not in God's Hall of Fame. Uh, You know, uh, if you have made any money at all, somebody from your alma mater will come at some point and say, we can name something after you. We can even have you take out an insurance policy and only for $9.99 a month. You can donate a million dollars to the university when you die and then after everybody's forgotten about you and nobody cares, we'll put your name on a building that everybody will walk by and pay no attention to. (laughs) But you'll be famous. You won't be forgotten. Boy, people sign up. And you walk out to the university, you walk by and I wonder who that was. Yeah. They're forgotten. But not in this one. Not in this one. So we have true fame, we have false fame. False fame is a mountaintop that doesn't deliver. Well, there's another aspect to fame that is uh, heroism. One of the ways we can get famous is by being a hero. That's what, that's what Achilles was trying to do. I, I think a lot of guys are athletes, put themselves in jeopardy. I mean, some people do some pretty crazy things to try to get fame. Uh, the, some of it uh, borders on self-destruction. But you know, if, again, if we define this correctly, it can be incredibly powerful. Last week, when I did the sermon, I showed you this Revelation 21, this string of adjectives that goes into this uh, group of people who are going to have their part in the lake that burns with fire. Unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, idolaters, sorcerers. And the the first word in that string is cowardly. So God doesn't like cowardice. 
He loves heroism. But what is it, the heroism, that he asks us to do? What's the snow white thing he asks us to do? He asks us when we get abused, like the stepmother abused us, to keep a cheerful attitude and say, boy, this is just what I needed. The Job experience. And then he asks us every day, after we keep washing the clothes of all these dwarfed humanity and fixing meals for people that aren't really particularly... Um, uh, thankful for it, he asks us to maintain a cheerful attitude and say, well, this is just what I needed. And then we have, when we have mountaintop experiences, and he asks us to keep our head. Not to glory in those experiences, but to remain humble. Not to trust in certain uncertain riches. Uh, David Dunn is about to release a new song, and it's called Ready to Be Myself. And it's a, it's a biographical song because he is a guy who loves to seek fame. And fame can be sought in very small circles. It doesn't have to be broadly spread. And he says this, I'm tired of the way, the way that I change. I rearrange myself to be the man that everybody loves. So I become someone I'm not. I've been someone else, and I'm ready to be myself. Well, he realized in his little circle by adapting and morphing to be someone people liked, he was actually losing his own identity. He didn't even know who he was. I looked at a little bit of the biography of Elvis Presley, who grew up in a strong church, he, he took a gospel singing group with him everywhere he went. He made gospel albums. I, and there's no reason for me to think that Elvis Presley wasn't a devout believer. But he chased this fame thing. And when he died, he was rich and famous and lonely and miserable. Because he lost himself. Well, by letting go of, who, of trying to become who we think others want to be and instead seek excellence in serving others and actually deflecting instead of being self-seeking, seeking what God wants from us to seek honor from Him and glory from Him and immortality from Him. When we lay down our life for others, we actually are creating real fame and being true to who God made us in the first place. And we're also being grateful for who we are. Have you always have how many of you would be willing to say that you've never said I wish I was something other than you are? I always wished I was taller. I wanted to be a really good basketball player. Uh, and I wasn't very talented. So you need to you need to have some kind of competitive advantage if you're if you're not fast and, and or, or dexterous, you know. Uh, everybody always wishes something and then you get older and say, well, I'm really glad I'm not taller, you know. But the, th- this, this is what we tend to do. But by having this proper perspective, we can actually enjoy who we are and be chasing that which God planted in us, fame that will last forever by laying our lives down and serving others. Well, the last thing that we can talk about is experiential prosperity, spiritual highs. And this is a particular problem, I think, in evangelicalism. I'm afraid that we often construct our services to try to create these every week. So let's look at Matthew 17, 
verse 1 through 9. In my opinion, this is a comedy routine here that we're going to see. So, Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain. So, we're going to have a mountaintop experience that occurs on a mountaintop here. This is literal and figurative, both. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, his clothes became as white as the light, and behold, Moses and Eliza appeared to them, talking with him. So here you are, just try to put yourself in the mindset. You're a Jewish uh, fisherman. You, you, by the time you're 15, you know the Old Testament word for word. Your dream was always to be a rabbi. You didn't make it, the cut. You became a fisherman. You're a rough, tough guy. You kind of just joined the zealots. So you're going to overthrow Rome. And then along comes this rabbi and says, follow me. So you get to follow, your dreams come true. And not only that, this guy is the king. So you're going to get to overthrow Rome and put this king in. The main thing you want to be is the secretary of state, not the secretary of labor. That's the, you want to sit on the right hand. You know, that's the main. So this is your mentality. And you've heard all these things. And all of a sudden, here you are on the mountain, and there's Moses and Elijah and the king transfigured. Would that be the best day of your life or what? And so here's what they do. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. What's he want to do? Yeah, let's just stay here. This is awesome. This is my best day ever. Now that you brought us up here, I see what the plan is, and I've got a plan for us to stay here. And this, I think, is hilarious. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, and I'm well pleased to hear him. Peter, shut up. Okay, you're talk this is a really cool time and you're talking. And you should be listening. And the disciples heard it and fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. So Peter went from hey, I got a plan to on my face. And then Jesus picks him up and says, Hey, don't be afraid. And then he took them back down the mountain. So this is a great picture for a mountaintop experience. How did they get up to the mountaintop? They followed Jesus up there. He, he took them up there. Okay? Did they go up there and then invite Jesus? No, they didn't manufacture this mountaintop experience. God gave it to them. They got there by following Jesus. And the minute they get there, what did they do? Stop following and stop listening. Isn't that what we do? They stopped following and stopped listening. And what Jesus did immediately after the mountaintop experience is what? Lead them back down. Now, did that mountaintop experience have an impact? Yes, it did. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. If we look at 2 Peter chapter 1, you, you'll actually see, that's uh, chapter 1 verse 16, you'll actually see here, pro- probably 2 Peter, when he writes this, he's thinking about this event. 2 Peter 1.16, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables, which we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't make this stuff up. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. I saw this with my own eyes. I'm telling you a first-hand account. 
For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. You think those words etched into his mind? Hey, why don't we do this? Shut up. So he he got that, don't you think? And and this made a huge impact on Peter, which is why God takes us to the mountain to give experiences. It's so that we can be shaped and then go back to the plains and live everyday life. It's not, we're not supposed to seek to find these things. God will sometimes lead us to them. But then he'll lead us back down again. Because just staying on the mountaintop is not what Christianity is supposed to be about. Well, if we go back to 1 Peter 1, we can kind of see why this is so. And I've mentioned this already, but 1 Peter 1, verse 12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. And this Greek word look into is the word like an archaeologist stooping down, studying something very carefully. So the angels are stooping down trying to look into this stuff. It fascinates them. There's a similar verse in Ephesians 3.10. We talked about this in the Job passage. For the manifold wisdom of God is revealed by the church, by us, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. The angels are watching us to understand about God. Well, is it because God's an insufficient teacher? I mean, they've been in his presence for eons. Is it because they're blind and they don't? No, they can't be blind because then they couldn't look down and stoop and see. There's only one thing I can think of that they would need to learn through us that they can't learn from God directly. And that's what it's like to know God by faith. This ability to know God by faith, it's a once in an existence opportunity. And if we blow it, I believe we will be sorry forevermore until the tears are wiped away because we don't get another chance. There's no faith and no hope in heaven. You can't have faith in what you see. You can't hope for what you have. So we have this amazing opportunity to overcome materialism by having faith that acquiring things that we don't yet see that are stored for us in heaven are more real than the things that are passing through our hands and going to someone else. And by having that faith, we gain something that really God says, I'd tell you if you could understand it, but you can't even understand how awesome this is. The angels are trying to understand. They're smarter than we are. And by seeking honor and glory from God, a fame that will last forever and ever... But it's fame that we can't really see. It's fame that's beyond our our threshold of our eyes. We're seeking it by faith. And by doing that, something incredible is happening to us that we can't even understand. by, by, By allowing the spiritual highs to be that which God gives to us rather than something we go to try to manufacture, like, hey, let's do this and this and this, and then we'll be... By just following Jesus... We follow him wherever we go. We follow him up to the mountain. We follow him back down. By continuing to listen to him and follow him, then 
we are walking by faith. And when we do that, we get to know God. Revelation 3, verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness, instead of shame we want honor, may be not be revealed. And anoint with your eyes, I salve, that you may be see. So how do you buy gold from God? That's the question. Well, now he's going to answer it. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice. If anyone hears my voice. We started with don't glory in your riches or don't glory in your wisdom. Glory in knowing me. And look what happens if we hear his voice and open the door. I'll come in and dine with him. We get fellowship and knowledge with Jesus. This is how you become truly rich, is by walking with God. Well, that's typically going to happen in valleys. Well, in valleys, we're going to have a real opportunity to know God. But it's harder on the plains of everyday life. Because we don't see that. We think everything's just routine there. Well, it's the routines of life where we really get to exercise what it means to be a servant. And then when God does take us up on the mountaintop, if we'll just keep following Him and follow Him right back down, we can get preparation for life on the plains and in the valleys. Because ultimately what we want is to know God by faith and take the maximum opportunity of this life. God, thank you for the amazing words you give us in this word that uh, you left with us. Thank you for your spirit that you, uh, that you put into us. Thank you that as we walk along, you will chasten us and even tell us to shut up and listen. And I thank you for these Wonderful, wonderful Three Stooges disciples that gave us their um, mishaps so we can be inspired that those are guys that changed the world and they're just knuckleheads. And I pray that you would just cause us to take all this in and be faithful no matter what the terrain of our journey happens to be. Take advantage of the valleys, uh, take advantage of the plains, and take advantage of the mountains because we choose the perspective that you have given us the opportunity to choose and in doing so we trust you and we make choices to take actions consistent with what you tell us to do and in doing so God help us believe that we'll be fulfilled in everything you made us to be in Jesus name amen thanks for listening to the yellow balloons podcast If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowbloons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowbloons.net. Thanks for listening.